You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Senior Minister here, and I'd encourage you to have your Bibles open uh, as we look at this passage together tonight. Uh, we're continuing working through this letter uh, of, uh, the, to the Philippians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church at Philippi, uh, and we're working through it. It's quite a long reading that we've had tonight. Um, Nick did a great job, especially with the name Epaphroditus. I think he's the only person who's got it right today. <laughs> I've heard it read a few times. Um, it's, it's, a cha- it's a challenging name. Well done, Nick. Um, and I'm going to focus my attention in talking to you tonight mainly on the first part, uh, but then after I finish, we're also going to uh, have some further prayers uh, for our leaders, which kind of picks up some of the themes of the second part as well. Uh, so uh, a week and a bit ago, uh, I spent my day off uh, doing an event called Coast Trek, uh, which is a 60-kilometre walk. There's my there's my teammates there. Uh, it's a 60-kilometre event uh, done in teams of four. Um, so some of you will recognise uh, Dave and Jill Witt there and our friend Andy as well. Uh, and it's done to raise money for the Fred Hollows Foundation. And you walk from Cape Shank Lighthouse uh, all the way to Point Nepean and finishing up at the quarantine station at Point Nepean. Um, so we started at 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 a.m., in the dark with head torches on, and you basically just walk until you finish, until you've covered the complete 60 kilometres, which for us, uh, we finished at 8.15 at night. Uh, That's just over 14 hours walking, including the sort of stops for snacks and things along the way. Uh, Some of the teams didn't finish till 11.30pm. They just walked um, up until nearly midnight to cover uh, the distance. And by the end of the day, as you can imagine, a lot of it was walking on sand, uh, covering that sort of distance. By the end of the day, the the muscles were aching, we were tired, and you just had to keep on going, keep on pushing through. In fact, uh, by the end of the day, stopping was a bad idea, because if you stop for too long, then you sort of started to seize up the muscles. You're better off just keeping on going, focusing on the fact that the finish line was ahead, you were getting closer to it, keeping on putting one foot in front of the other, Uh, in order to get there. Uh, And that sort of long-distance walk is a pretty good image for the Christian life, I think. It's quite a good picture for us of what being a follower of Jesus is like. So the writer, Eugene Peterson, who's written a number of books, describes discipleship, that is, being a follower or a disciple of Jesus, uh, with the phrase... Um, that it's a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. Being a Christian is a long-term commitment. If you decide that I want to be someone who follows Jesus, who gives my life to Jesus, I want to recognise that Jesus is the boss of my life and I'm going to follow him, well, you commit to do that for life. It's not sort of a one-year commitment or a ten-year commitment. You sort of sign on to follow Jesus For the rest of your life. If you're 15 years old here, you're making a decision to sort of be a follower of Jesus, right? That might be 70 years that you are following Jesus and uh, seeking to uh, do what he wants you to do in your life. 
It's a long-term commitment. And it's about obedience, because if we're recognising that, you know, Jesus is who he claims to be, and we want to make him the boss of our life, being a Christian means that Christ or Jesus is going to be the one who's in charge of our life, then this is about following what he says, recognising that Jesus knows the best way to live life. He knows the way to give us the fullness of life, and so we want to obey him, uh, follow after him. Uh, That whole idea of sort of walking in his footsteps as he lived his life, so we want to follow after him and sort of walk in the footsteps that he walked in. That's the theme that Paul picks up here uh, in Philippians 2 at the start of it, when he says these words. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Remember, he's locked up in prison. He can't get to them, so he's absent from them. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, And that's the phrase that I really want us to unpack today. There's a lot in that phrase. I want us to think about what does he mean when he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's set it in context. Let's remember what he has been saying and where this falls in the letter. So back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, a passage that Sam was speaking about a couple of weeks ago, he said, uh, Paul said this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Um, that's an important line in 127 because everything in this section that follows flows out of that. Paul's saying, whatever happens in life, whatever circumstances that you come across, I want you to live in a certain way. I want you to conduct yourself in a manner which is worthy of the gospel of Christ, which reflects what Jesus has done for you, which reflects the good news of all that Jesus has done for you. Live your life consistently with what Jesus has done. And then he goes on from that, and this is what we looked at last week, to talk about what Jesus has done for us, to talk about how Jesus has shown great humility in the way that he lived, that Jesus was in very nature God, Jesus was God himself, and yet he chooses to come to earth as a human being, to be born as a baby, to live as a human being, and to go to the cross in order to save us. Um, So he's spoken about the example of Jesus um, and what Jesus has done for us, and he talks about, as well as the humility of Jesus, the obedience of Jesus, that Jesus is willing to be obedient even to the point of death on a cross. And so then we flow on and he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, imitate Jesus' obedience in the way that you obey and follow him. And he sums it up in the words, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So let's unpack those words. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want us to think about what it doesn't mean. Sometimes it's helpful to think about what he's not saying and then to think about what he actually is saying. So what doesn't he mean? When you talk about work out, right, you can think, um, we had maths tutoring here today, right, you can work out a maths problem. You can sort of work things out in your head. You could read that and you could think that Paul is saying, Work out your salvation, as is, you know, work out what works for you. Um, Make up what is going to save you. Um, Chart your own path 
to salvation. Work it out for yourself. Don't let anyone else dictate it to you. You work out your salvation. Uh, That's a pretty common attitude today. We have this sort of view, um, you might call it relativism, that, you know, everyone's got a point of view and no one's point of view uh, is better than anyone else's. It's considered to be sort of relative to the person. It's subjective, uh, what you think is true. Or another way that we sort of think about it is there's so many different religions out there that how can you say that one has all of the truth? Uh, And what you can tend to do is you can kind of pick and choose a bit of this and a bit of that to put together your own spirituality, your own truth, uh, your own way of life. Uh, Julie, when she shared her story a couple of weeks ago, um, talked about how she used to do this uh, in her life a bit, looked at the different religions in the world and think, oh, I like that bit, I like that bit, piece it together. And you could imagine that Paul could be saying here, work out your salvation, find out what works for you, a bit of this and a bit of that, and piece it together. Is that what he means? No, he can't mean that because of the context that we've just looked at. Uh, He's just been talking about how Jesus saves us, how he gives us salvation. He's described that salvation comes because God himself, the very God who made the universe, becomes a human in the person of Jesus Christ. It's a unique event in world history where God becomes a person. It only happens once in the person of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus goes to the cross to deal with our sins. In that moment, he wins salvation. That's how we're saved, through the unique person of Jesus Christ who is both fully God and fully human. And then as he goes on, he talks about the fact that Jesus doesn't stay dead, but he's raised from the dead, and he's given a place of authority in the whole universe where he is the Lord, and Paul says that every knee has to bow to Jesus, and every tongue has to declare that Jesus is the Lord. There's nothing relativistic or, or um, you know, pick and choose about that. That is how salvation is won. It's not a matter of work it out for yourself, find out what works for you. That is how salvation is achieved for us by Jesus. We're not free to make it up for ourselves. What we have to do is recognise who Jesus is and turn to him so that we receive salvation. So he doesn't mean just work it out for yourself, whatever works for you. Also notice that he doesn't say work for your salvation with fear and trembling, as if this is something, in order to be saved, we've got to work for it. We've got to do lots of good deeds. We've got to earn brownie points with God. We've got to be, we've got to be moral and, uh, and get right with God so that God sees how great we are. He says, yep, yeah, you've tried really hard. You've been really good. Therefore, I'm going to be in a relationship with you. I'll save you. No, he doesn't say that. Uh, very clear in the Bible that we don't earn our salvation with God. It is a free gift. It comes to us by grace. Jesus achieves it for us and he offers it to us as a free gift. We don't work for salvation. We receive it through Jesus Christ, placing our trust in him, recognising who he is, and that's how we're saved. That's how we have salvation. So it's not a case of, okay, work it out for yourself, It's not a case of work for it. What does he mean when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Well, another way that we use the word work out is when you go to the gym. 
I don't go to the gym. Do anyone here go to the gym? Right? When you work out at the gym, what do you do, right? You, you lift some weights to get your muscles moving. You go to a pump class, whatever that is. Okay? But it's about exercising, um, getting fit, getting your heart pumping, getting your muscles moving uh, so that you become fitter and stronger. And that's what Paul's talking about when he's talking about work out your salvation. He's basically saying, put it into practice. Jesus have, If you're someone who has turned and put your trust in Jesus and you are saved, then you need to put it into practice. You don't just sit around waiting for Jesus to come back and say, I'm saved, I don't need to do anything. You actually have to get on with it. You need to put it into practice. You need to work out and get going. You need to love and serve Jesus. You need to love and serve the people around you, love and serve your neighbours. You need to sort of grow in spiritual fitness, to use that gym image, to become more like Jesus, to grow in the character and the life of Jesus in yourself. So that's what he's talking about. Get to it. Put it into practice. Work it out in your life. And he says where to do it with a seriousness. He says that you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, fear and trembling is not about sort of quake in your boots, I'm so worried about God. Um, the Bible's quite clear that um, in Jesus, if we, if we have a relationship with Jesus, then we can come confidently into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. We don't need to be afraid of God and quaking in our boots and worried about whether God will accept us or not. So it doesn't mean that. What he's talking about is um, treating God as God, having an awe for God as the awesome God who made everything, uh, revering him and giving him his rightful place. Right? God is an awesome God and he's done a great work in saving us and so we need to take that seriously uh, and have a responsibility to put into practice what we've received. What am I doing here? I don't know. Yeah. Preaching. I'm a sound guy. Don't, I'm not just like... I've never seen this man before in my life. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. So it's about taking seriously our faith and trying to put it into practice. So what's it going to look like to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Well, it's going to involve seeking to grow in your relationship with God. It's going to mean developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these, these fruit of the Spirit that are spoken about in the Bible. It's going to mean trying to get rid of the sin that is in your life which is hindering your relationship with God and tripping you up constantly. It's going to mean ensuring that your relationships with other people are in good order, where there's conflicts that you're dealing with them rather than just letting them simmer, that you go and you seek forgiveness when you need it and that you grant forgiveness to other people when they ask for it. It's about taking seriously our responsibilities to act justly, to treat people justly and fairly because God is a God of justice and he cares about the way that we treat other people around the world, particularly those who are um, more 
um, vulnerable or have less power than we might have. Um, Caring for the creation that God has given us, that God made and has placed human beings in the world to care for. Really, it's, it's nothing less than the whole of our lives lived for God, putting into practice what Jesus has won for us, the salvation that he's achieved for us. Nothing less than a life lived out with, with Jesus as Lord, Jesus as King, Jesus as boss of every area of our lives. Now, that's pretty hard, isn't it, when you think about it like that? Just the uh, immense nature that covers sort of every aspect of life. And I think it's even harder in our contemporary culture. So I read an interview recently with a guy called Richard Foster. He's, a, he's an author, and he wrote a famous book in 1978, a long time ago, um, called Celebration of Discipline. He wrote that book because he wanted to help Christians to put practices into place in their life that would help them to live out the Christian faith in the world. And he wrote it because he felt that what um, the culture at the time was was really superficial, that people were just sort of surface level, not going very deep. And so he wanted to write this book to help people have a greater depth in living out their faith by putting into place certain Christian practices or disciplines, as they're sometimes called. And he was interviewed recently, like this is 40 years since he first wrote that book, and he was asked the question, okay, if superficiality was the problem at the time that you wrote, what do you reckon is the problem with our culture, our society, some 40 years on? And he answered with one word. Here's the problem that he said in terms of growing our faith as Christians, the problem with our society, distraction. Distraction. That we live in a culture, you know, we've got the internet, we've got entertainment. Uh, There are so many things that we're constantly shifting our attention. We never focus on one thing for a very long uh, time. Uh, And we're so distracted that we don't even have time to think. We never ponder one thing for long enough. So we never stop and reflect on where am I up to in terms of my life following Jesus? How am I going? What is it that I need to work on? But if we're going to do this, if we're going to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, well, it's going to require some focus, isn't it? It's going to require some attention, some deliberate plans and practices so that we are putting things into practice and not constantly getting distracted. We've actually tried to build this into our church vision. So we've talked about our vision as a church, Vision 2022, what it is that we as a church want to look like in five years' time. And a part of our vision talks about growing in Jesus, that as a church and as individuals, we want to be becoming more like Jesus. We want to be learning more of Jesus' way of life and putting it into practice in our own lives. And under that heading of growing in Jesus we've got this one component which we put like this. Remember, this is a vision for what we want to look like. Emotional health and spiritual depth characterise our church as an alternative to our busy and distracted society. So we recognise that the world in which we live in is a busy world and it's a distracted world. And what we're saying in our vision is, We don't want to be like that. We want to stand out as different to the busy and distracted culture in which we live. In contrast to that, we want to be 
healthy in terms of our emotional lives, and we want to go deep with God. We want to have a spiritual depth that we build into our lives and our church. We want to have patterns that are healthy and sustainable, and we want to care for all of our lives, our emotional life, and our spiritual connection to God. That's all part of working out your salvation with fear and trembling, and looking different to everyone else who is around you. And one idea, one practical way that we've spoken about doing this is this idea of being deliberate and having what you call a rule of faith. Now, a rule of faith is kind of an ancient practice of the church. Uh, It's not about having a list of rules, right, do's and don'ts that you do. A rule of life is about establishing a pattern that works for you in terms of putting your faith into practice, working out your salvation. Uh, So here's an example on the screen. This is a a simple one that we've been using here. It's probably a bit hard to read there. But it's thinking about, okay, there's different relationships that we stand in as Christian people, right? We have our relationship with God. We have a relationship with ourselves as persons. We have a relationship with the creation in which we live and we have relationships with other people. So that's kind of like four areas of relationship which it's helpful to stop and think about. And then these circles are really just practices that we might choose to establish in our lives, whether they're daily practices, weekly practices, or seasonally, you know, monthly or whatever, or quarterly, whatever you, whatever you think, that actually will help us grow in each of those areas. Um, It's really about deciding at your stage of life and where you're at in your faith, what is realistic and what is going to be helpful to help work out your salvation, to put your faith into practice, to actually make some decisions, to write them down, to decide what you're going to do. Uh, you know, uh, this morning um, at the 8 o'clock service, most of the people at our 8 o'clock service uh, um, are at the older end. Um, and for that generation, um, basically the idea of having a daily quiet time, reading the Bible every day and praying every day, was a core practice that they built in. And they're really good at doing it. I, I was on a beach mission team with a 70-year-old guy. And, and this guy had not missed his daily quiet time since he was 10 years old. I mean, I can't even get my head around that. But for him, he'd sort of managed to establish this sort of practice in his life in building a relationship with God. Now, for most of us, we can't do that. I can't do that. I have missed quiet time since I was 10. Okay, true confessions. In fact, doing it every single day is hard, right? And you might like to think about it like going to the gym. If we're talking about working out in terms of our spiritual life, you might say, well, you know, going to the gym three times a week will make me healthier than I currently am. And so I might actually set my goal to read the Bible three times a week like a workout and pray three times a week. Some people think, oh, that's a failure because I'm not doing it every day. Well, it might be really realistic for you and that might be helpful as a pattern to establish in your life. What can you do? What are you going to decide and determine to do? Uh, And so for all of those areas, you can actually jot some things down which are going to be helpful for you. Here's some examples of some of the things that I'm doing uh, this year. So in my Bible reading, I'm reading through Mark's Gospel at the moment. I've got a little book 
which just has a section of Mark's gospel, one of the accounts of Jesus' life, and then it's got some reflections uh, on it. It probably takes me about 10 minutes just to read that each day, and that's a way that I'm hearing from God's word and I'm thinking about putting it into practice each day. As I say, I don't manage that every day. I probably do that four or five times a week, right? But that's good because I, four or five times a week, I'm getting some of God's word and I'm thinking about how to put it into practice. One thing that I'm doing this year, I haven't done this before, but uh, this was kind of a decision that I made that I thought would be helpful. At the end of every day... Uh, when I'm in bed but before I'm asleep, um, I write down what are the emotions that I've experienced today. Just write down a couple of emotions that I've experienced. I was really frustrated with that or I was really overjoyed when this happened, whatever it was. So what emotions did I experience? And then I write down what am I grateful for? What good things have happened today that I might just gloss over or not remember but I'm really grateful for what happened. And then I use those as a basis for prayer. I say to God, God, today I was really frustrated about this. Uh, and 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 I share those emotions with God. And I thank God for the things I'm grateful for. Now that's about relationship with self. That's about focusing on what I've experienced and my own emotions through the day. But it's also about sharing those with God. That's a practice that that I'm putting into place. So it's just a couple of things. You might have other things that are helpful for you. The point is, you've got to think about this for yourself. You can't outsource this to someone else. Your spiritual life, your character, your walk with God is about you putting it into practice. And Paul says that. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In fact, it's stronger than that. Some other translations of the Bible say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Your church can't do it for you. Your life group can't do it for you. Your ministers can't do it for you. All of those things are helpful to help you, to encourage you, to equip you, to support you as you do it. But you actually need to take responsibility for what you're going to do and your own Christian life as you follow Jesus. Now, having said that, that we need to work hard at this, we need to make decisions about this, and we need to put it into practice, we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, there's an encouragement that comes in the next verse as well, that it is not just about your working, but that God is also working in you. Verse 13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right, so each, as each of us is doing the hard work of putting our faith into practice, seeking to live for God, it's actually God who's working in us and enabling us to do it. And do you notice that God works in our minds with our motivation and giving us the will to do it? It says that God is at work in you to will So he helps us get motivated and make decisions about wanting to follow him and putting it into practice. But that he also helps us in the actions to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God helps us in our minds as well as in our actions, the decision to do it as well as actually doing it. So we're commanded to work out our own salvation, work at our salvation but we're assured that God is working in us as we do it. Now, isn't that a contradiction? Who's supposed to be doing the work here? Is it us or is it God? 
right? Well, the answer is both. There's this beautiful dynamic that you see in the Bible where we're called on to actually work hard at being a follower of Jesus to do these things, but we're assured that we can't actually do it on our own, that God is at work in us by his Holy Spirit. God's empowering us. God's strengthening us. God doesn't just say, all right, get on and do it. Work as hard as you can, and I'm just going to sit and watch you. No, God is actually the one enabling us to do it, empowering us to do it, and to help us. So we do have hard work to do. We need to turn away from sin. We need to develop our character, and we need to love others. But God is strengthening us, transforming us by his Holy Spirit. Uh, And without God at work in us, we wouldn't even be motivated to do it. God is at work in all of those ways. So, each of us has a real responsibility to take seriously our life of following Jesus and make decisions about what we're going to do it. And be assured that as you do that, that God will help you. Come to God and bring it to him in prayer and he will strengthen and motivate you as you seek to do it. So let's pray about that now. Jesus, thank you that you do save us, that you have won salvation through us, through your life and your death and your resurrection, and that you give us a relationship with God as a free gift through you. But help us to put that into practice in our lives. Help us to take seriously what you've won for us, to make real changes so that we reflect you in the way that we live. And we ask for your help. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you'd work on our motivation, that you'd help us not to be distracted by everything that's happening around us, that you would enable us to make real concrete decisions about what we'll do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.